Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I am your host, Claudine Wolk. You can find me at my Substack account, claudinewolk.substack.com. We're talking all about publishing and book marketing. If you have decided that you want to write a book and you're trying to figure out how to publish it, or maybe you've already written a book and you're trying to figure out how to market it, this is the podcast slash Substack for you. Our goal is to give you great tips, by example in some cases, to help you get your book seen and sold. So join us through the newsletter or the podcast today and get your book seen and sold. Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I'm Claudine Walk, your host. With us today is Sue Shapiro. She's an award-winning writer and professor, freelances for The New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, L.A. Times, New York Magazine, Salon, L, Oprah, Wired, and The New Yorker Online. She's the best-selling author, co-author of 17 books her family hates, like Five Men Who Broke My Heart, Lighting Up, Unhooked, The Bosnia List, and her recent memoir, The Forgiveness Tour. She lives with her scriptwriter husband in Manhattan and uses writing and publishing uses her writing and publishing guides, the Book Bible and Byline Bible, to teach her wildly popular Instant Gratification Takes Too Long courses at the New School, NYU, Columbia University, and in private classes and seminars, now online. You can find her at her website, susanshapiro.net. Welcome, Sue Shapiro. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, why, do your fa- why does your family hate your books? Oh, they're um, <laughs> conservative <laughs> people in the Midwest, in conservative Midwest. And so, uh, yeah, my father used to say whenever I published something, I'd be so excited. And he'd say, um, great, go go run naked through the streets and humiliate us all. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you know, that's something, Sue, that a lot of authors don't realize when they're first starting out and they're getting maybe their fir- first book out that other people are actually going to read it. Yes, and it actually helps me with my students. In fact, one of my favorite lines, one of my rules is the first piece you write that your family hates means you found your voice. Oh, I love that. Ooh, I love that. That's awesome. It's so true as well. So you, in addition to writing 17 books, oh my gosh, and books on exactly what we talk about here on Get Your Books Seen and Sold, you also have classes, and I noticed that there are some on your website that are coming up. So I'm just going to tell the audience what they are, because they are coming up if you're interested. These are online classes. One is called A New Instant Gratification Takes Too Long. The second is Secrets of Publishing Panel. And the third is Instant Gratification Five-Week Private Sell Your Book Class. Right. uh, So the first one is Pitch Class, where I bring in a five-week online pitch class that's starting actually this Monday, where I bring in 15 different newspaper magazine editors who are open for new writers. And the goal of the class is to sell a piece by the end of the class. And a lot of people do. And then the other online class I've been teaching is a sell your first book class, a five week online class where I bring in book editors and literary agents. And we sort of analyze all aspects of the book projects that people have been working on. And uh, since I've done, um, I think it's I think it's 17 books in eight different genres. I used to feel like 
that was a bad thing. And I was like a literary dabbler, but it happens to be really good for helping people figure out if they're in the right genre or if they can't sell a memoir, could it be a different kind of book? So we sort of analyzed that. And a lot of people have been selling books since the pandemic that way. So they've been very fun. And I do some, I'm doing some in-person events in New York and in uh, Michigan and upcoming in LA for my new book. So I do put stuff on my website. That's great. And the title of your new book? The new co-authored book is called American Shield, and that's with Sergeant Aquilina Ganell, who is a, um, a a Latino police sergeant who almost got killed on January 6th protecting democracy during the insurrection. And so we co-authored a book that's going to be launching in November. So we're actually going to do, I think we just planned a, an event November 12th in D.C. at Politics and Prose, and then we're going to do L.A., and uh, and we're going to do a big online event with the Strand. So I'm going to put all that on my website. Neat. That is great. Okay. So for anybody who's listening and wants to to join in to your courses, are the, is it too late to sign up? No, they can email me, and I I do them. Um, the the online classes, it turns out, are really popular. So I think this term I'm going to stay online, and I I just keep doing them because I keep getting so many people and. Interestingly, I taught in person for 25 years, and the goal of the class was always to write and publish a piece by the end of the class. But I'm shocked to say that more people get published in the online classes. And I can't figure out whether it's because I get a mix of, like my new school NYU and Columbia classes had more undergrads and graduates. So I don't know whether it's I'm getting older students um, from all over, or it might be that I have more online editors from all over the country who zoom in so it used to be i could only have editors come in from new york you know to my regular classes whereas now like i'll have one class where i'll have you know the new york times op-ed editor the la times editor and the washington post editor all in one class so it's maybe maybe that's part of the reason why but so yeah so they're very fun online too i was surprised and do, do you like that? I, you know, I'm not surprised. I think that makes a lot of sense because when you get people from all over the globe, you know, it just brings brings you that much more flavor. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. So it's it's different ages, a, a really interesting geographical mix, and I think also, um, as I said, I just have such a roster of amazing editors who are willing to, um, you know, really be very specific about what they want, what they don't want. This is how to pitch me. Don't pitch me this. Read 20 columns of mine before you even bother. I want a pitch. I want a piece. So I think having the editors be as specific as they are makes it a lot easier. Also in the classes, you have a chance to pitch the editor your idea. So you could say, you know, one woman I remember, she said, well, I have five kids and someone stopped her and said, okay, I want to hear how you do that. (laughs) There you go. Right. So sometimes people will just throw out ideas and the editors will jump in and get really interested, which is kind of cool. Sure is. That's amazing. Uh, What a great opportunity for people. You must like writers. I love writers, especially because I grew up being the only, you know, black sheep of the family where nobody was creative and everyone thought I was crazy. So kind of like my people. (laughs) Yeah. What is the what's the old saying with the parents of, of our generation? Always have something to fall back on. Right. Whenever you would get into the arts. Isn't that a shame? Well, interestingly, I had to, which was I couldn't make a living as a writer for a while. So I started teaching and I did not expect to love teaching as much as I do. And maybe it's because I get to hang out with writers and editors and agents. So it's really interesting that um, the two came together. And my husband does TV film work and he also he teaches at NYU Tisch. So we both have a great balance, I think, of having like a normal job where you show up and they pay you. And they have insurance and things like that versus <laughs> being able to be creative and 
um, take risks to try to do, you know, writing during the day. Gotcha. So the instant gratification five week private sell your book class, I think that's something that my audience would really be interested in. Uh, Why does it take five weeks? Well, I give different, I mean, publishing a book could take, I mean, I had a book that took 13 years. So instead of a book launch, it got a book mitzvah. So it's, <laughs> so there's, you know, there's not an expectation that you can write a book in five weeks, but um, there is ways that I could help somebody rethink a project or some people actually launch projects. Some people take the class and they have five different ideas and they have no idea how to get started or no idea which one would be better. Some people have been trying to sell a project for years and they've had no luck. So what I found in the five-week class is that it gives me time to give people different assignments so I could really get a sense of you know, their title, their subtitle, what's the Hollywood movie pitch, what's their platform, what are the, what are the comparable titles, are they going to do, you know, help them decide, are you going to write the whole manuscript, which for fiction and poetry and short stories, you almost always have to do, or are you going to write a proposal, which for some nonfiction you can do, um, you know, to really rethink, are you in the right genre? Um, you know, so there's all kinds of things that I can help people with in five weeks doing different assignments. And also, it gives me a chance to bring in great editors and agents. So I've actually had editors and agents who hear the idea and then immediately are interested in them and email me later or even in the chat say to the person wow i want to read this and then we discuss what's the best way to approach them and several people have just sold books that way which is kind of amazing i'll say it sounds like yeah you're, you're also, pointing- i also do i do you know we do an interesting mix too because i've had students who've done novel short stories poetry collections um ya mg uh self-help um you, you know so a lot of memoirs so it's really an interesting range. So I try to have editors and agents who handle different kinds of books come in and explain the differences because a lot of people don't understand the difference. Yeah, and I think a lot of uh, aspiring authors, maybe they're sitting with a manuscript and they don't even know who to get in touch with. So it, the fact that you're collecting these agents and editors to listen to these pitches is pretty unique. Um, thank you. And I actually think that... Um, uh, there's a lot of ways that I could tell somebody which genre might be best. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite um, chapters in my book, Book Bible, it's called uh, The Book Bible, How to Sell Your Manuscript No Matter What Genre Without Going Broke or Insane. One of my favorite chapters is called um, Genre Fluidity. And, uh, you know, uh, um, kind of a a play off of gender fluidity. (laughs) And the idea is the chapter which really happened to me is that quite often I tried to sell a manuscript, had no luck, was about to give up, and then spoke to editors and agents or even sometimes hired a ghost editor to help me who brainstormed with me and gave me ideas of can this manuscript be resurrected in in a different direction. So for example, there was a book that I started out as a memoir, actually a few books that started out as a memoir that didn't sell, that wound up doing quite well as self-help. And interestingly, it didn't take that much change because I was still allowed to use the first person to tell my own story. But I added maybe 20 or 30 pages of a new intro or expert advice. And uh, in one case, the book Unhooked became a, a New York Times bestseller. So I've done that. I had one. I had another memoir. Actually, I've had a few memoirs that I turned into fiction. Hmm. And, and again, if you've written something, I wrote something and it was funny. A, a novel, it was actually a memoir called speed shrinking but it wasn't quite dramatic enough and i had a great editor who said you know this is so funny 
if you turned it into fiction, you could use all this material, but ramp up the drama. And it became my first comic novel published by St. Martin's, which is uh, um, speed shrinking. So that's happened to me a bunch of times where I've started out in one genre. And then I was willing to, because I was willing to compromise, the books actually did, you know, came to life in a different genre. And I've helped quite a few people do that. I had one student who was working on an adult memoir and it wasn't, they weren't having luck, but it turned out that the most interesting thing happened to him when he was a teenager. And so he was able to sell it as a young adult memoir um, to Random House. And that did quite well. So sometimes people don't necessarily have an overview of what's going on. And I do because I've you know been in the trenches for so long. And just for an example, it's very, very hard to sell a memoir right now. Like the kind of memoirs that we're selling 10 and 20 years ago are just not selling. So your average memoir about my screwed up relationships and my addictions and my dysfunctional family and how I did therapy and fix myself, nobody wants those. Unless you're <laughs> famous and, you know, unless you're Tina Fey or, you know, um, Prince Harry, nobody really wants those kind of books from a, an unknown author. So there's several things you could do to help sell one of those books. You know, for example, I teach a lot of my students how to publish a short piece in a splashy place like the New York Times, Modern Love or the Washington Post, um, and, and it'll go viral. But there's other ways that you can re-examine, um, you know, why is this a memoir? And is there a way to turn it into fiction? Could it be an essay collection? Could it be self-help if you're a teacher or a therapist or a doctor or a nurse or a parent of a, of a bunch of kids? Sometimes, you know, maybe you have a big enough platform to um, to make it a self-help book and those tend to be selling very well and you can make more money doing those. So I actually help a lot of my students figure that out because I do have a nice overview at this stage. Hilariously, because I got rejected so many times and I did so much <laughs> therapy to figure out how to sell my own books, I do have a really good overview of what genres are selling now and what, what are really hard to sell. Well, that's such a great lesson for authors to hear. And I'm, I'm, what I'm getting, Sue, is stay flexible in terms of your work. And, and, and is it difficult, do you find, for some authors to let go of what they had originally conceived yeah, for their I mean, books? Yeah, what, what I say to people is, for your first draft, follow your dream, do exactly what you want to do, whether it's, you know, and, and sometimes it's like, you know, a novel in verse that's a, you know, thriller, sci-fi, an iambic pentameter, like whatever crazy thing you have in your head that you <laughs> want to do, invent your own genre, do it, you know, get it out there. So first you write it. I highly recommend classes. I mean, I'm lucky because I have a graduate degree in poetry and I've taught at the MFA programs at NYU Columbia and the New School, which are fantastic, where you really just have brilliant professors who have published in the genre you're in that could really give you feedback and you get feedback mm -hmm. from your students. So you could get feedback and see once in a, you know, once in a while, you'll invent your own genre and it'll be brilliant and amazing and, you know, and it'll work. Um, a, a great way to tell is if you try to publish a short excerpt or a short essay, that's a really good way to tell if editors and agents are interested. If you write the whole thing and then you try to sell a short excerpt uh, or a short essay and you get 100 rejections, then the chances are you got to do something different. You know, if you're having no luck whatsoever and nobody gets what you're doing, you know, then maybe you have to analyze, are you in the wrong genre or, you know, does, does the writing need work? Um, and you can hire a ghost editor. And I highly recommend a lot of ghost editors. People can email me at propsu123 at gmail.com because I've worked with a lot of former editors and literary agents and some that are still 
you know, that, that are still working that know the business. So I highly recommend getting professional feedback. And then once you get the feedback, gather the feedback, and then you have to sort of weigh what your goals are. So is your goal that since you've been three years old, you wanted to write the great American novel and that's all you care about? And if so, then maybe the next step, if your novel isn't selling, is to take a novel class by someone you admire or to hire a ghost editor and revise the book in the genre you want. If your goal, like me, I, you know, I, I had a lot of genres that I liked and failed at. So I was a failed poet. I tried for 10 years and one of my professors told me, you have too many words and not enough music. <laughs> and I wound up kind of giving up poetry. But he said, you have more poetry in your prose than in your poems. Mm. So then I switched to essays. But then I tried to write a couple novels. And um, one of my mentors said, you have no imagination whatsoever. Why are you trying fiction? And I just, <laughs> I sort of kept dancing around. But what I realized was, my goal was to make a living as a writer in New York, and I knew that I wanted to publish books, but I wasn't that married to the genre that I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, it didn't really matter to me, ultimately, if it was called poetry, or if it was called fiction. Interestingly, um, I was always writing about the same thing. I was writing about my relationships with men and all my broken hearts. You know, when I was, before I got married, I just had these disastrous, humiliating breakups, and I had these horrible addictions and family drama. And so I was always writing about the same topics it was just what form did it take and then i wound up having a lot of luck with essays that led to memoirs mm. so so interestingly through therapy and through analyzing you know what was my what was my real goal um you know i learned that it was absolutely willing i was absolutely willing to compromise and my debut book five men who broke my heart was just such a dream it was like a random house book and i was on the today show and it came out in all these different languages and sold TV film rights and, you know, mm. it was just a dream come true. And interestingly, I probably even stole lines from my own poems in there, you know, so th <laughs> these were topics that I had been writing about since I've been, you know, a 12 year old lovelorn kid in Michigan scrawling into my notebook. So, um, and it was just as exciting and more, it might have even been more fun than writing poetry or fiction because I felt, you know, it was a little bit easier to write nonfiction stuff that really happened. So, um, yeah, so I started out like that, and then I did another memoir, lighting up how I stopped smoking, drinking, and everything else I loved in life except sex. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was you know it was very fun. And then I tried to do a book with my addiction specialist after I was you know sort of finishing with the recovery, and uh, we had no luck selling it as a memoir. And that's when somebody, a uh, smart agent, said to me, "Would you consider a self help book?" And so that on how adequate anything became a best selling self-help book and then i was like wow this is really cool because it's almost the same as the original it just had more takeaways and a different intro so that's when i i started figuring out this is a thing you know so it's it's not uncommon that you start a project in one arena and if it doesn't sell um you know if you if you follow the market and of course market trends change a lot you know so when i was starting 20 years ago when i started publishing books sort of certain kinds of funny memoirs were easy to sell and easier to sell and now they're just not, you know, so um, and I think during the pandemic, for example, I think that a lot of escapist fiction um, became more popular, uh, YAMG, and also uh, self-help, you know, so things sort of shifted around. So I feel like, uh, you know, it's sort of cool to have the overview because I've helped a lot of students who are, you know, ready to give up on a project. And, and, and really, the next direction wasn't to give up. It was rethink this a little bit, you know, which shelf could it go on in the bookstore? And surprisingly, you know, if you have a manuscript or you have a proposal and you're you're willing, if you're in the right head and you have somebody helping you, um, it's not, you know, I have found it not only not to be hard. I mean, I've, I've changed 
I've switched switched things up and it's taken six weeks and then the book sells. You know, so it doesn't take the five or six weeks, so it doesn't take that long once you once you're clear and you have a great idea. So tell me what it's like for you when you see the success of your students after taking your advice. Well, it's a thrill. It's a huge thrill, you know, and uh, and it actually started when I started teaching at the new school. It, um, I told the story early on when they asked me if I wanted to teach there that um, I studied undergrad at University of Michigan, graduate poetry at NYU. I took years of classes and I, did, I came out not even knowing how to write a cover letter to send out any of the work that I'd spent a decade perfecting. And I found that very frustrating. And, and I said to them, you know, you're supposed to teach the class you wanted to take and write the book you wanted to read. And I said, I don't want to do that, you know, fiction 101, poetry 101, journalism 101, because it it didn't really give me the information that I wanted, much as I loved studying, writing and reading. And I said, I want to come up with my own idea. And they're like, we're the new school, do anything you want. So I said, okay. So <laughs> I tried at what I call the instant gratification takes too long method, where the goal of my class was to write and publish a great piece by the end of the class. And it was just kind of fun to try. And I think the first class, I think if I remember, I had 12 people and eight got published and four got a thousand dollars or more for pieces. Wow. So right now, cool, which is if I help you with the piece that gets a thousand dollars, I get dinner. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and there was just such success stories and it just and it just kept happening over and over. And part of it was nobody ever teaches the way that I was teaching, which is just very, very specifically geared towards getting published and who will publish it. And also the new school is very generous in giving me stipends to pay the editors to, you know, all the editors that I was working for came to the class to zoom in and they were very specific about what they wanted. And a lot of times they wanted diverse voices or they wanted, you know, more personal intimate stories. And so I kept making up um, assignments that would fit them. So for example, the first assignment in the Byline Bible is write about your most humiliating secret. And why do I do that? Because, well, first I was coming from confessional poetry and also because People, if I just said write a personal essay, there were all these boring pieces about, you know, how I love gardening or how cute my kids are, or, you know, I love my pets. It was just boring. So when I said write about, if I said write your worst experience, it was all about somebody dying. But if I said write about your most humiliating secret, they were really funny and weird and revealing. So those just started selling. And not only did they sell essays, they wound up turning into books. So at a certain point, my students were publishing books before I was. And I got jealous because I felt like, I'm like the wedding planner who can't get married here. <laughs> right. So, but interestingly, but I started following what was going on with my students. And then I had luck with my own books. Um, it's usually a thrill. Every once in a while, like a young new student will start out and within a short period of time, we'll get like a $500,000 book deal, in which case I'll say, congratulations, fuck you. Right. But most of the time, most of the time it's, <laughs> it's a huge thrill. And then also we do book events together which at this stage, which is really fun because it makes me seem younger and cooler, you know, because you don't, I don't only want to be, um, you know, doing events with like, you know, old white people like me. So <laughs> it's really fun to have, you know, a lot of different students doing different genres and, you know, they're younger and hipper and there's, you know, more fascinating projects. So in a way it's, uh, you know, I love doing that. It's very fun. But even with the success of becoming an author, you have not stopped teaching. No, I thought I, I thought I would stop, but it turns out I love it. And my shrink actually helped me figure it out when I was doing my addiction therapy. And what he told me to do was write by day. So I wake up and write and I work on the most important thing that I care about. But then at night, go teach. And it turns out it's a completely different energy. And I absolutely love it. And the two work 
beautifully together. They're really harmonious. In fact, I would probably guess that part of the reason why I've been able to publish so many books, I think it's because I have good karma because I've helped so many people. Mm. And I have actually a um, someone I just did a book event with a colleague, um, Jennifer Baker. She has a debut, um, her debut YA book called Forgive Me Not just came out. And she always told my classes when they would ask advice, she always said, be a good literary citizen. And that's going to get you farther than, you know, just staying home and chasing after your own byline and checks. And so I think I was a good literary citizen. I reviewed books for a long time in a generous way. I think I was honest, but if I didn't like a book, I probably wouldn't review it rather than trash it. And I bought a lot of books and I would go support author friends at readings and did free workshops. And so I think I think that's a really good thing for people to remember. And and it's a very small community. I mean, you know, we always joke in New York, there's a thousand people that work in publishing and they all know each other. Mm-hmm. So if you're a jerk to one, they're all going to know about it. And if you're kind and generous, they're going to know about that too. And there's a lot of ways to do that. I mean, just for an example, say you don't have any money and you can't afford to, um, you know, buy a lot of copies of a book or pay for book events. You could still, a lot of times you could read someone's book. You could get a net galley um, sometimes from, you know, if you follow them on social media or from, um, you know, different agents and editors will share net galleys, or you could buy the Kindle version. And if you like a book, you could review it in three or four different places. Anybody, you could you could review it for Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Goodreads. And, you know, that's a really kind thing to do. And I have students who, you know, they'll give me five stars and they'll review you know, a book of mine that they love. And I'll, I, I never forget who does that. And by the way, I've also had friends that'll send me like two dozen roses and I forget about the roses which die, but those reviews stay up forever. <laughs> you know, so there's really, really kind things that you could do to support an author. And there are a lot of free events. I mean, I do events not only with... NYU, the new school in Columbia, but Barnes and Noble and um, all the independent bookstores, the Strand does great events. And, you know, I've done some with Poseman Books and Shakespeare and Company. And I go, um, you know, I'm doing one actually in Michigan, if anyone's near Royal Oak on September 20th at Sidetrack Books. Um, so, uh, and I love uh, the last bookstore in, in LA and I did one at Zibby's Books in LA. So I love, you know, doing these free events where people can, um, you know, come and gather. And I try to have editors and agents or other authors who are there, and I always call them secrets of publishing. In fact, I invented that in like the 80s, and now everybody steals it and calls them <laughs> secrets of publishing. And I, and I don't mind. What I mind is when they do secrets of publishing and then they steal instant gratification. It takes too long. I'm like, wait a second. I stole that from Carrie Fisher about 20 <laughs> years ago, and I credited her because it was there was a line in um, Postcards from the Edge that was, the problem with instant gratification is it takes too long. Yes. Yeah. But so, and the reason I do that is because I really can help people get published in a really short time. I mean, I've had one shot, I had a one shot essay seminar once where somebody brought in a piece and I said, this is two pieces, try New York Magazine and gave them an editor's name and try the New York Times. And she got it in both and it launched two books. So I really, you know, if you get somebody who has a good enough overview, who's willing to really help you and wants you to get published, who knows the genre, it doesn't take long, especially if you're open, you know, if you're open to, uh, if you're if you're open minded and willing to hear criticism or try a different direction. Yeah, and I, I don't think I had ever heard that before. It makes perfect sense that writing an essay can, could lead to a book deal. Uh, and so I wanted to mention the course again, new instant gratification <laughs> takes too long. And the that's that's the pitch class. That's the pitch class. Okay. Yeah, where we pitch 15 different editors. And by the way, in my, my first writing guide, the Byline Bible, which was out from Writer's Digest books, 
Um, I actually have a section that has 27 short essays that led to books. And what I say to people, something that I say in my book class and also in Book Bible, if you have an idea for a book and books, they could take so many years. You know, books could really take a long time. I mean, my latest one took 10 years, forgiveness tour. Sometimes they just take a long time to gel for a lot of different reasons. But my my feeling is if you have a book idea, try to write a short piece because, of course, it's much, much easier to write and publish three pages than it is 300. Hmm. So I say to people, try to write a short piece for a good place and see what happens. Now, with my students, because I'm critiquing them and we're bringing in the editors, I mean, last term we had three books were launched through Washington Post pieces alone and and uh, two from the New York Times. So, you know, not only does it happen, it's very exciting. But on the other side, if you cannot figure out how to publish a three-page piece anywhere, like I said, you're doing something wrong and you need help, which do- it doesn't mean it won't happen, but it means you need help. So whether that's a class or a ghost editor or um, doing more research to pay more attention to what they're running or making, you know, having a timely lead, which I talk about, you know, the biggest mistake people make is they'll say in 1977, when I was born, and it's like, yawn, I'm already, I'm already falling asleep. I'm not going to read that. You know, so what you got to do is you got to say, you know, uh, in the new movie, uh, let's see, uh, in in the new Barbie movie, uh, you know, Margot Robbie plays a doll going through menopause. My own menopause was blah, blah, blah. You know, so you take something going on in the zeitgeist and then you relate it to yourself and then it makes it more timely. So I teach people how to do that, how to make your work more interesting to editors and agents. Absolutely. And I, I, wow, what a great idea. And I'm hoping that my audience, my audience, a lot of them just have a manuscript that they're kind of sitting on, they're trying to figure out how to get it published and how to publicize it. And I this is like a whole new way to do that. So I want to make sure that they they really understand the connection here and how it can be the perfect way in. Yeah, so just for an example, so I, I mentioned the book on my upcoming book, American Shield, and that's uh, and the um, that's I'm doing this with um, Sergeant Aquilino Ganell, and the subtitle is "The Immigrant Sergeant Who Defended Democracy." So when we started working together, I wasn't sure how we how we'd work together, and there were already several books about January sixth out there. So I wanted to test the waters. So we tried a short piece, and the first piece, one of the first pieces we worked on together. Um, was titled, I Was Betrayed by President Trump, and it got into the New York Times, and it went viral, and we were we were doing Zooms with editors like the next week, and we found a fantastic editor at CounterPoint, and that happened to a, a former student of mine, Tiffany Drayton, did a great piece called Black American Refugee, and it went viral. It was during the George Floyd riots, and she got a huge deal from Viking for her, her great story. Um, another former student, Banning Lyon, wrote a really interesting memoir, fascinating, sad memoir about getting caught up in the, um, the uh, what do they call it? Like the, uh, the industry where they send kids away to wilderness camps and it's really a scam and it's corrupt mm-hmm. and it happened to him. And I happened to have an editor that came in from the Washington Post and when he told part of his story about how he healed himself, she got very interested and it ran. And then Maria Shriver saw that piece in the Washington Post and he had a six-figure book deal within two weeks. Yeah, you 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 totally explained that and, and exactly how it works. Thank you so much. I think it's going to help. By the way, it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work quickly. But just for an example, I was working on the book, The Forgiveness Tour um, for a long time. And I wasn't quite sure I was about to give up on it. Actually, it was a memoir, but it wasn't quite as dramatic as my other memoirs. 
And right before I gave up on it, I decided to take my own advice. So I tried to sell a short piece. And because I needed a timely lead, I connected it to Yom Kippur, which is when everybody, all Jews sort of ask forgiveness and atone for their past sins. So I tried and nobody was really interested. And then I found this fantastic editor at Salon um, magazine. And so she bought it. And it was called the Forgiveness Tour. And it went viral. And I had so much interest. And then that short piece won an award from ASJA, where I'm a member. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I got up to thank everybody for the award, which I was so excited about, you know, and I explained, I've been working on this book for 10 years. And I said, okay, I have written a thousand pages and now I know a thousand words work. <laughs> and everybody applauded because of course every writer knows what that means. And then I wound up selling the book and it got like the best reviews of my career. So, yeah, so, but so I will say that, you know, so that wasn't necessarily the New Yorker, the New York Times, but but even a piece from Salon. Um, I had one student, interestingly, who did a piece in Gawker, which was just a crazy gossip kind of magazine. He did a he did a piece called um, Mentally Unfit, um, Zach McDermott, and that went viral and it led to a fantastic memoir that Little Brown published called Gorilla and the Bird. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the top newspaper magazine in the country. Once in a while, a piece just does so well that um, everybody sees it and everybody's interested in it. So, um, you know, it's good to start with the, with the top. But if not, um, you know, just selling it sometimes even a local place, just just getting it out there and seeing who's your audience, I think, begins to help you figure out, um, you know, how can I how can I sell a bigger a bigger project now? Absolutely. And uh, never hurts your uh, platform either, does it? No. And actually, um, that could be your platform. So I've had a lot of students who say to me, I don't have a platform, so I can't write this book. And by the end of my five week class, they published a piece in. New York Magazine or New Yorker or New York Times or Wall Street Journal or the Daily News or Huffington Post. And that becomes your platform. In fact, I had a student, former student Aspen Matus, who her first piece she sold, I think, was um, a great modern love, uh, New York Times modern love, which is famous for launching books. And I think she was in her early 20s. And the vice president of HarperCollins saw it, called her up, turned into a fantastic hardcover book. So I, you know, so, so that was her, you know, so her platform was that she wrote a great modern love piece that everybody wanted. Yes. That's amazing. Great, great information. So let me ask you this real quick. Uh, so your, your books on uh, book publishing and book marketing, uh, the book Bible and the byline Bible, um, are those for anybody specifically within beginners or if folks are already kind of in deep or can anybody pick them up? They're pretty, they're pretty wide ranging. So I've had 25,000 former students of all ages. I've had students from age 14 and age 95 who've had luck. So I actually geared them towards my classes. The Byline Bible I used for my um, new school NYU and, and um, Columbia classes. And it basically teaches you how to publish a piece in five weeks. And I've had big shot writers sort of s- being skeptical and mm-hmm. saying, I don't need this. And then they read it and they're like, okay, I got to admit, you gave me some tips I didn't know, or maybe this is why my piece isn't getting published, or I didn't realize how important it is to, you know, a lot of people think they know everything, but then they're sending out 4,000 word pieces and there's no editor I know who wants a 4,000 word unsolicited piece. They want 500 words or 800 words, you know, so people, so it's really a lot of, I've been in the trenches for a lot of years. So it's really very, very insider kind of um, information on how to publish in newspapers and magazines, including the section of 27 short pieces that led to books, just so people understand it can't just be, you know, a dumb piece 
oh, the bus drivers are having a strike and I'm going to write about that. Usually the pieces that are selling are pretty terrific first person revealing essays or, you know, really, really smart service pieces with a lot of research exposing something we don't know about, you know, or a profile, an amazing profile of someone not very well known might lead to a biography. So, there, you know, the piece has to be really good to get more interest. So that's Byline Bible and then Book Bible, how to sell your manuscript no matter what genre without going broke or insane. That's really for people who either have a book project they that they're trying to sell or have some ideas and want to get rolling. And I actually think, um, I think either way it could help you. So I've definitely had people, for example, who've written a memoir, written a novel that didn't sell after a couple of years and they're really upset and pissed off and they read the book and they get a lot of clues as to, oh, maybe I could reimagine this in a different genre. So it helps them. But I also think that people who have never written a book before might want to read it first because it gives a lot of information. A lot of people don't understand how many genres there are and how some are much easier to publish than others based on your age or your platform or your background. You know, so I think it definitely helps to understand, you know, the basics of the industry. Uh, somebody told me it's also like great publishing porn. So I have <laughs> quite quite a lot of inside stories of, you know, um, not only students who publish books and colleagues of mine, but editors and agents telling me all kinds of secrets. One of my favorite was the president of Random House once told me, he said, some people think publishing is a business, but it's really a casino. <laughs> you know, and that's really helpful because everybody tries to make a science out of it. And they try to think it's like if I just do A, B and C and it doesn't work like that. It's insane. You know, sometimes it's, you know, somebody has to fall in love with something you're doing and, and some stuff sells that shouldn't. And st some stuff that sh that straight A papers that should sell turn out they're boring and nobody wants it. You know, so I just like to I like people to have, especially my students, I like them to have an overview and again, I've been doing this for a long time and I started out getting rejected like constantly. Like I would just send out a bunch of stuff and then I would get 12 rejections the same day and I just get drunk and stoned and go to sleep for three days. <laughs> and thank God I had a therapist that was like, okay, let's get a better strategy going here. And so I, I found, you know, so, so it took me a really long time to develop a strategy that made it not only more likely that I would get published, but also got a little bit more clear on my goals. I got a little bit more careful and what I was doing wrong. I developed a community of people so that I had a system for getting criticism. I developed a, a, a thicker backbone. You know, the minute somebody says you can't change a comma, I'm just like, well, you know, chances are you're not you're not going to have luck because it's collaborative. And I've had a lot of top editors, whether it's Random House or Knopf or The New Yorker or The New York Times, who say if so, they would rather not work with someone who's going to give them a headache and take something less brilliant then have to deal with somebody that won't change a comma. It's just ridiculous. You know, it's just a collaborative effort. And what's amazing is that there's so many editors and agents out there who can really help you if you're open. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you capitulate. I mean, you know, if somebody, if, if I sell, sell a piece to an editor and they make 20, 20 changes, maybe only four, maybe I only take four, you know, but, but I do say to them, thank you so much for your brilliant edits and all the time you've taken to help me. Um, I took some of your great comments you know, but this is really not in my voice. So I'm not saying you take, you don't take credit, you don't take any criticism that comes along. But if you have somebody you trust, whose work you admire, or you've seen what they published, it's good to at least be open minded and think about it and spend 24 hours. I once had a ghost editor read, actually, it was my first book, um, Speed Drinking. And she read it and said, this should be in present tense. And I said, I hate present tense. I always write past tense. She said, you write nonfiction. Sometimes fiction's better in present tense, especially addiction. 
And I didn't really believe her, but I thought for my writing group, I thought, let me just try the first three pages in present tense. So I tried it. I read it to them and they were like, oh my God, what did you do? This pops. This is amazing. So much better. You know, so so sometimes you just want to, um, you just want to try. Well, there's that yeah. word again, you know, it's flexibility, staying flexible, you know, like you, well, like you said, I not losing your voice, but. Yeah, I think at the beginning you do exactly what you want and you follow your artistic desire. And then unfortunately, sometimes that doesn't lead to fame and fortune. That leads to hell. So, um, you know, so so if you try to do it the exact way that you're sure is right and you stick to the genre and you, you know, you follow your dream and you want to write the new Great Gatsby or, you know, whatever it is, you know, or the, or the new, um, you know, uh, Midnight's Children or, you know, you, you try, you aim for exactly what you want. But then if you're having trouble and you don't have luck externally and your goal is to get a mainstream publisher or make a living or get an advance, then there's there's all kinds of ways that you could develop a better critical system so that you understand what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. You know, and that's one of the things that's so great about uh, the classes. And also my students know I'm really honest. And I appreciate honesty because when people have blown smoke up my ass and said, you're so brilliant, this is so great. And then the book doesn't sell for seven years. That just makes me more depressed. Right. So so when my friend Laura said to me, why isn't this? I said, why isn't this selling? She said, because you have no imagination whatsoever. Stop writing fiction. <laughs> that was extremely helpful. And she actually gave me very specifics about what I do well from her from her overview. And that led me immediately to launch Five Men Who Broke My Heart, which was nonfiction. And I followed what she said. So yeah, so you want to get somebody who they, they call it a change agent sometimes, you know, so you want to get somebody who understands your genre, who's sympathetic, who wants to help you, who's done it before themselves or an editor, an agent who who knows the market. And then you want you want to gather feedback and then you want to, you know, at least give it some time to think about or try a page of what they're saying and see if you have luck. Quite often with my students, they have such luck so, so early on. You know, and I always say clips are like crack. You can't just have one. So then it's so cool because <laughs> the class is $500 and so many people make 500 or or $2,000 that then they use that to take the class again to meet 15 different editors. Yep. So it gets very exciting. Yeah, it really is a brilliant, um, what's the word? Not platform, but a brilliant um, ah. Strategy. Strategy. <laughs> system. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Sue, for being with us, for sharing your experience, and for continuing to teach writers. They are really worth it, don't you think? Yes, yes. And um, I've, I've had so many students who, um, of all ages who've had amazing luck. And if anybody wants to check out my website, you can follow me on social media. I actually love to post on Facebook, Instagram, and um, Twitter. I post all my students. I show up all my students. Um, links to their pieces and their books. Neat. And, um, yeah. And on my website, I have all my events coming up and I do quite a few free. In fact, you can also watch um, a lot of the panels I've done with great editors and agents. We've taped on the website, some audio, some video, some of the weird Zoom uh, uh, tapes, and you can watch them for free and sort of just get a sense of what I'm doing. And um, I speak so quickly that a lot of my students say that Byline Bible and Book Bible are really helpful because everything I say really quick, they could then read it and understand it a little bit better. Absolutely. And I'm going to have all those links to you in the show notes, your Instagram and Twitter and your um, email that you mentioned, and of course, your website. Thank you so much. And it's, again, it's not too late to take any of your courses. And are these courses that roll? Uh, do you do them every quarter? Do you do them once a year? You know what? They start, truthfully, the online classes are so exciting that I've started to do them every, um, I, I just keep doing them. I keep nice. thinking I'm back in person, but then 
it's so exciting to have people from all over the world taking the online. So I think I'm going to do a mix of I'll go back in person one day a week, but keep the other ones going. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing all that great information for our authors that are listening. And congratulations on your new book coming out, American Shield, in November. I hope you come back and talk to us about it. I would love to. Thank you so much. You got it. And thank you for being with us. See you later. Bye-bye. And you are listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. You've been listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold with Claudine Walk, my Substack account, Claudine Walk. Sign up for my newsletter today.